The majority of the time, people who become managers typically become managers of the team they were just on mm -hmm. or a similar team. And they become managers because they're good at their job. And is that really the best reason? Are those the best reasons? I mean, just because it's what we do doesn't mean it's what we should do. And I think that's where, you know, having a, a really robust management development program, especially for those that are just being promoted, is so important. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome, everybody. I'm really glad you're here. Listen, while you still have your device in your hand, before you stick your phone in your pocket, I'd like to ask you two favors. The first is please subscribe to the show. And secondly, please share the show with just one person. With the housekeeping out of the way, I have Betty Danowitz with me, the real Betty from If You Ask Betty. Betty, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Well, hello, uh, Betty Danowitz, like you said. I am a learning solutions architect for the Blanchard Company, the Ken Blanchard Companies. We're a leadership development company. And you may also know me as If You Ask Betty. So I have a podcast, which you have been on, uh, the If You Ask Betty podcast. And then also, If You Ask Betty does um, a strategy and consulting for non-traditional learning development modalities, like virtual reality, augmented reality, podcasting, et cetera. So that's me. Wow. Awesome. Great. Thank you. I'm very, very glad you're here. I'm thrilled because you gave me one of my first opportunities to guest on a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. And I'm happy to return the favor. Maybe we can just keep going back and forth like a ping pong ball. Might as well. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a whole list of questions I want to ask. But because I'm a fan of Blanchard and I'm a huge fan of SL2, mm -hmm. I, I got to ask, how did you, how did your path bring you to working at Blanchard? You know, I get asked this quite a bit, actually. And, you know, I, I hate to sound cliche, but it's really all about who you know, right? So mm -hmm. I have been wanting to do leadership development for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years and, um, you know, had a chance to sort of support it when I worked for Fifth Third Bank, had a chance to actually do some of it when I worked for Ally. And um, while I was working for Ally, I started on the conference circuit. And that's where I met Brittany Cole and Ann Rollins. And they both were at Blanchard. And, you know, I just kind of stayed in touch with them because number one, I really wanted to work with them wherever we were. And number two, I love the idea of working for the Blanchard company. And so, so yeah, so I just kind of stayed in touch. And as they had openings, I kept raising my hand. And uh, it's funny, I actually flew out to San Diego and interviewed with them in March of 2020. So I interviewed with them like on like on a Thursday and the whole country shut down on a Tuesday. So they were actually finally able to offer me December of that year. So um, I've been with them now about two years and love it. I love working for Blanchard and love everybody that I work with. So that's wonderful. And I agree. I mean, in my experience... Of all the jobs I've had, and I've been all over Silicon Valley, I've worked for Apple, Applied Materials, Symantec, a lot of the big heavy hitters. And with very rare exception, I have gotten jobs by knowing somebody. Mm -hmm. So for my listeners, I would really encourage you, if, if you're not actively networking and meeting people and building genuine relationships, make that part of your, your daily habit. Absolutely. All right. With that, with that, with that piece of trivia... Let me, let me dive into a few questions about management development at Blanchard. 
Okay. So first off, your personal view, what's your philosophy of management development? Yeah. So to me, management development is about growth for the individual with skills that apply to their life and to their teams, right? So so it's all about being a good human and then being able to take the skills that you learn that help you become a good human and use those in your team. So that's sort of my personal philosophy. And and you know, one of the reasons I really love working for Blanchard is that they they really work to create inspired leaders through dynamic learning experiences. So there's really no click next in Blanchard programs, right? We only do engaging, innovative learning experiences, typically journeys, because when you're learning to become a manager or you're developing as a manager, it's not just one topic that you need to know. There are so many topics and they all connect together. So really, you know, at Blanchard, we do innovative learning experiences that have multi-modalities. So lots of different ways to learn. Awesome. Beautiful. My next question along this vein is, why do you value management development? What does it do for Blanchard? Well, (laughs) Blanchard is a management development company, so it's definitely the bread and butter, the core, the heart of what we do. But when you think about it, you know, managers really have a huge impact on both the growth and the well-being of the employees. And I would even say the growth and the well-being of the bottom line. Right. So because without good managers, morale is low, productivity is low, you know, and work just doesn't get done the right way. And and managers really sort of set the tone and culture in a workplace. So if we can train managers to be good humans, treat others with respect, you know, among other skills, you know, we help create and, and managers help create that culture of inclusivity and, and positivity. You know, uh, over the years, and I, I imagine you can relate to this, I have had managers that suck, and I've had managers that were literally catalysts in my personal and professional growth and development. And, and I have had some that are in between, but for the most part, they tend to be on either end of the spectrum, right? Either they, they suck and you can't wait to get out from under them, or they challenge you to be better, and so, so for me, like the value comes in if, if we're, if we can teach them to be those better humans, they will spread that, you know, that's the butterfly effect. And so, you know, and the other thing too is, is with Blanchard, you know, our content, as far as what it does for us, our content has been researched and proven. In fact, they've been doing this since 1979, which if you're adding up right now, that's about 43 years. And I only know that because that's the year I was born. <laughs> which which both is exciting and also makes me feel weird that I'm you know working for a company that's been doing this since the year I was born. So well, since we're disclosing. Yeah. I understand and I may be wrong in this, but I understand that the skill will model was developed by Blanchard in 69, which is when I was born. Oh. Okay, well there you go. There it is. Yeah. I believe that. I also believe that that's probably Oh gosh, I haven't heard somebody talk about that in a long time. But I probably, you know, like that's that was one of the early days, right? The actual oh, company, yeah. you know, we've been doing this and teaching folks since 1979. So yeah, yeah. The reason why Gerard Training Solutions exists is because I've had a lot of managers who sucked, mm-hmm. who got promoted without being trained, and so they just made a mess of things. Mm-hmm. And then you'd think I'd learn, but then I got promoted, and I was leading a team of people who were formerly my peers, mm-hmm. and I messed it up. Mm-hmm. And so I walked away from that experience saying, you know what, never again. This, this is now my reason for being. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think what happens a lot, in fact, I know it, is the majority of the time, people who become managers typically become managers of the team they were just on, 
mm-hmm. or a similar team. Um, and they become managers because they're good at their job. Mm-hmm. And is that really the best reason? Are those the best reasons? I mean, just because it's what we do doesn't mean it's what we should do. And I think that's where, it, you know, having a, a really robust management development program, especially for those that are just, you know, just being promoted is so important because if we're going to continue in that same that same way, that same vein of promoting people that are good at their job, we need to equip them to do what we're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like you said, we get in there and we become that manager that sucks. I will tell you, though, that some of the managers that I had that sucked, this was not their first rodeo. Mm. They just were not very good at what they were supposed to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a shame. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, what got you here won't get you there. That's correct. Yeah, good book. Mm-hmm. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I I love that we're we're kind of simpatico on the, the whole idea of, mm-hmm. you know, managers need to be good humans. And just because you're a fantastic engineer does not mean you're going to be great at leading engineers or fill in the blank. That's very true. Mm-hmm. In fact, you might really not be good at it. I mean, it may be that because I because and, and I say this because like, I can remember times when we had man. I had a manager manager come in, and they had never been in learning before. And what does everyone think? Oh my god, this is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. But they actually might be a really good fit because they know how to lead people. You know that that's the thing. Is like when you're when you're it's kind of like when you're a facilitator. Like when you're a facilitator, and and people debate this, but you don't really have to be an expert in the content in order to facilitate a course on it. You really don't. You need to be a good facilitator. If you're a good facilitator, then you don't have to be an expert. Typically, the more you facilitate, you become an expert. But nevertheless, like it, it, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. And so then the same thing goes with this. You don't. You can be a good leader and a good manager, even if you don't necessarily know about the work that your people are doing initially. And because it's a skill set that transfers over. So if you're great at leading folks, you're great at managing people and developing them, you can step into just about any role and help that team in the right ways. Adding on to that, Mm -hmm. um, I I think the analogy goes further because as a facilitator myself, like I love to facilitate and I totally agree. You don't need to be a rocket scientist in in what you're talking about. Yeah. Because my niche is management development and I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm, I'm getting very familiar with all the, all the models and things, but to me, being a good facilitator means knowing the path. Like, how am I going to take That's this correct. group mm-hmm. of people and get them from point A to point Z so that they walk away being able to apply what they've learned and do something different in their jobs? Mm-hmm. And as a manager, how am I going to get this team of people to achieve these business objectives in a way that gets them energized and excited and engaged while they're also producing? Right. And I would add, help them grow personally and professionally mm-hmm. because here's my thoughts if you're a manager and you're you're focusing on business outcomes and production and you don't try to develop them personally and professionally you're not helping them a mark of a good manager is when people keep promoting out of their team mm-hmm. because that means that you're putting in the time and effort it takes to help them develop development is your job as a manager and while I'll also say on the other side of my mouth that we're all ultimately responsible for our own development, a manager's job is to lead and create and, and provide opportunities for people to take advantage of. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
I think you've already touched on this a bit, but let's dig a little deeper. How do you approach management development at Blanchard? Can you can you talk a little more about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, a little bit more, like a little more detail. So Blanchard is really centered around a situational approach to leadership. So we call it SL2. You mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. And what this does is is this is a sort of like a a process, a methodology that allows leaders and managers to look at a situation and evaluate the employee's competence and confidence based on the task at hand. And what's nice about that by looking at things situationally is that you can then sort of help to bypass or limit some some of the bias that comes with it because you're focusing on okay are they competent can they do this and how what is their level of confidence in the task and so that also helps focus on growth for the employee as well as productivity for the for the company so using SL2 allows you to really look at something somewhat objectively and be able to sort of manage folks in that way for example you know, we use the the idea of D1, D2, D3, D4. So like if you're D4 on something, you're highly competent and highly confident. And so like, let's, let's ask you, what would you say is a task in life or in work that you are D4? You're highly competent, highly confident that you can do this and do this well. Oh, I've got an answer for this. Go ahead. Scuba diving in a dry suit. Okay. I'm not sure what that means, <laughs> but- if you're D4 on that, that's great. I would be at D1 for sure because I would not even know where to begin with scuba diving. But And so like for me, I'm D4 on things like podcasting and facilitating, right? Because I'm highly confident, highly competent. And so, so knowing and being able to assess with SL2 what's going on with your employees helps you to route resources where they need to go and give people an opportunity to shine and give folks growth and stretch uh, projects and things like that while also managing engagement. Because if you give somebody who's D4 at a project only the pro- or, or at a task, only those tasks all the time, they're going to get bored and they're going to slide actually backwards into D3 where they just have, they're just not interested. They, I mean, they'll do it. They're competent, but you know, they have no interest. And mm-hmm. I've been there many times. Yeah, so that's sort of Blanchard's sort of foundation is that approach. And then we also, you know, sort of build on that. What are these life skills, these important skills that you need, not only as you're working with your employees and your team, but also as you're working with others. So things like, you know, conversational capacity, the ability to use curiosity and candor, you know, in the right ways to 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 get to good positive results in your conversations. How do you build trust? And in, 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 in if you've... If you've eroded trust, how do you rebuild it? How do you get back there? So some of those types of things that all just sort of, you know, beautifully complement any manager's skill set. Yeah. I I knew that SL2 was going to come up again. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, though, do you have any other favorite tools or models? Anything else that you would mention to the folks? Yeah, so we have, a, we have an amazing model around leading people through change. And I know that change management, at least a few, probably 10 or 15 years back, had a moment, right, where there was, you know, leading change, John Cotter. And there was another one that won't come to my mind right now because I've just said the other name. So that, this name won't come. And you and I've talked about change management. And There are lots of different models and ways to approach it. And what I really like about Blanchard's is that it's about involving people in the change. And it really sort of puts that first and foremost is that in order to get people on board, you have to get them involved. And so I really like their leading 
people through change model. And I think that it can revolutionize any change management that you have going on in your, in your organization. All right. Yeah. I enjoy change models. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the bridges model. I mm-hmm. like the Kubler-Ross change curve. We talked about ADCAR, didn't we? ADCAR? I don't remember. I have a memory like a sieve. Sorry. Okay. I think we talked about ADCAR. ADCAR? Yeah. Is that my saying it right? ADCAR? ADGAR? Ad- ADCAR. Yeah. Okay. I had it right first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that I remember that. I'm shocked. <laughs> Better you than me. I honestly, uh, some days my yeah. wife just no, wants feel- to backhand me. Why can't you remember that? Sorry. Sorry. All right. Changing direction a little bit. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the management development space needs to go to evolve and help companies achieve more? So this is a very interesting question because I have feelings about this. I have thoughts. I have feelings. Sometimes I've had emotional outbursts around this topic specifically. So Those are are welcome on this podcast. Oh, good. I'm very glad. You're welcome. Okay. So- I think overall management development has a very stuffy persona. So I think that when people think about developing managers or manager training, we think it has to be deep study in books or sitting in classrooms. There has to be white collared shirts involved, right? But really, I I don't think that's the case at all. I think that we need new young perspectives in management development training. Like we, we need to keep reading the research, right, about people and how people want to be managed, but recognize that the research that happened 15 years ago is going to be different than the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years, because there's been a dramatic change that was a long time coming. And now people are not afraid to say, this is how I want to be managed. This is how I want to work. So, so really like my biggest, like, soapbox feeling is we really got to get diverse thoughts and feelings from all generations, all races, all genders, all ways of working. Because there are people that didn't start working from home during COVID. Did you know this? Like there are people that just, that kept working where they were working. My husband is one of them. He's He was considered a frontline worker. He works for the Home Depot and the Home Depot didn't close. He had to go in. You know, he, he just wore a mask for years, you know, like, so there are managers that have never had that transition from working at at their job to working working from home. And then there are people that were working from home and now have to go back. And then there are people that are now doing both. And so because the way that we work has now changed, the way that we manage people has to change. And the way that we teach them how to manage has to change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great insight. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What are some of the management development issues you'd love to be solved? Okay, I mean, you asked. I, I did. All right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get off this soapbox and get back on, get on the other one. So I want to talk about I want to talk about DE and I. Okay, so mm-hmm. so DE and I diversity, equity, and inclusion. Some people have now added belonging. Here's the thing: this is not a new thing, right? Creating and managing diverse, inclusive teams. Not a new thing. In fact, it keeps evolving and growing. So for to me, DEI initiatives are they're super important because they build awareness, they help build empathy, they drive compassion in the workplace. But that's not what's broken. It's not that we don't know. It's not that we're not empathetic. It's not that we're not compassionate. It's not that we don't know how to do those things. Although some people don't, I'm not gonna lie. But it's the thing that's broken in DEI is is us. Like, we're not the humans that we should be. 
right? We're not naturally curious about others. We're not accepting and loving of them or even tolerant sometimes. And so, you know, what we do is we kind of focus on ourselves and say, okay, how can I, how can I be better at that? Well, maybe if I knew more about it, that I would, then I would be a better human and I would be better at dealing with people and being, being kind and loving and, you know, but, but knowing is not always doing. I mean, how much do you know about, you know, advanced algebra and do you use it? Probably, I mean, probably not. Maybe. Zero and zero. Thank you. I I mean, you know, how much do you know about, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to think like, like math, like I always laugh when my kids, when my kids have math homework, because I'm like, you are never going to use that. So I don't know. I don't know. I can't help you. Google it. I don't know. (laughs) But like, you know, like we're so self-focused that we miss the other people that are in front of us. But if we were others-focused leaders, and, and Blanchard calls it servant leadership, I think that's really the answer to DEI. I, I think it's a heart problem that we have as, as people. And please don't get me wrong. I think DEI initiatives are incredibly important. Again, they build awareness, empathy, and compassion. But if we don't decide in our own hearts and our own lives that we're going to focus on others first, learning all of that stuff is not going to do anything for us. We, we have to decide that we're going to be kind. We're going to purposefully be compassionate. We're going to learn more about folks so that we can have empathy. And we're going to spend time with them and show them that we care. So that's, that's my soapbox. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I have been on a similar soapbox around empathy mm-hmm. and the need for empathy in management, especially given what's been going on the past two, three years, mm-hmm. that, that managers need to, before anything else, they need to bring empathy. And if they, if they are not naturally empathetic, then my position is that it's a skill that can be taught and learned. You, you can learn to be empathetic and it's not that hard. Yep. We're actually not born empathetic. It is a skill. We're, we're born only trying to survive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have kids. I have kids. Mm-hmm. Three-year-olds three are not empathetic. Nope. No empathy. <laughs> no, no poops to give. And I say that only because you told me this was PG-13. So. It, is, it is PG-13. No craps to give. <laughs> My 13-year-olds are empathetic. They've learned that because we've not pounded it into them, but but reinforced. Consistently want, taught them, yes. We want you to be kind. We want you to think about other people. Mm-hmm. And in asking them to do it, it seems only right that I would do it as well. Like I would think of others first and, and try to think about how I can make the world a better place for other people. I'm, I have a lot to learn and a, a long way to go, mm-hmm. but it's a process. And I think that, that that's what managers need to bring first before they learn goal setting and the array of two by two matrices that we could teach them. Right. I agree. But, and, and then, and then you kind of get into the whole, man, do we really have to teach people to be kind? We do. Well, we do. it wasn't so long ago that people were taught not to apologize. Uh-huh. That's correct. Do you remember that? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, people were taught not to apologize because that's a sign of weakness, and you're capitulating and yep. and you're you're admitting guilt. Mm-hmm. Never apologize in a in a car accident. Never apologize if you if you disrespect somebody. Never apologize. Yeah, it wasn't so long ago. I remember that. And an apology is is so critical in building trust and maintaining trust with other people. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's one of the biggest things you can do when you when someone has felt disrespected, regardless of how you feel. The first thing you need to do is apologize. Absolutely. Yeah. Crucial Conversations yeah. has a chapter on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about Crucial Conversations, but yeah, it's a, that's a different company. 
I'm 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 an ambivert when it comes to companies, but 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 point taken. We will only discuss what is in the Ken Blanchard. You mean canon. you mean you're agnostic? You're agnostic. I am agnostic. Yes. Okay, that's fair. And a little obnoxious sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> you know, I taught crucial conversations for several years, especially when I worked for Ally, and it was one of my most favorite things to teach because. I got to see people, I got to see the light bulb come on that, you know, the one of the biggest ways that you can get people to, you know, to put their put their their input into the pool is kind of what they talked about. Like, mm-hmm, right, you mm-hmm. got to get your information into the pool. One of the biggest ways is just to be kind and listen. And it was like to see the light bulb go off that maybe this is why my relationships have been so rocky because I'm being kind of a butthead. Oh, I had to edit that again. Dang. I must, nice job. I well must be rated R on a regular basis. I don't know. But you know, like, like uh, to see the light bulb come on. So I, I, I get, you're absolutely right. Crucial Conversations has an entire chapter on that. So. Yeah. And then, and then what I love with, you know, Brene Brown came along mm. and said, you know, clear is kind, unclear is unkind, kind of mm-hmm. adding to that. Yep. Yeah. It's, She's it's, so cool. Brene, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you so much for what you have done for the world by sharing your thoughts and feelings. I could only dream that Brene Brown would listen. I to hope my she's podcast. listening. I hope I, she sends you a message and was like, "I was listening." That'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Mm-hmm. The question you've been waiting for. Yes. Do you have a product or service you'd like to plug? Oh, sure, absolutely. So for Blanchard, I would love to plug. We have these things called collaborative onlines. So if you are trying to learn more about how to be how to lead yourself, we have one on self-leadership, we have one on conversational capacity, and one is coming very soon or might have already launched in the last week on SL2. And if you want to learn more about it, these are like six-week blended learning journeys that you get to go on. You get to meet people from all over the world that are going on the same journey as you and collaboratively work on these skills and building them for yourself. And I would recommend, number one, self-leadership above everything else, because it's going to teach you things like, uh, what are your points of power? How do you challenge assumed constraints? And then what do you need to do to be proactive and ask for what you need? So I would highly recommend that uh, as far as uh, Blanchard goes. If you're an organization and you're looking to build your management development, let me know. Send me a message. I'll be happy to connect you with one of our our DCS. Our, our DCSs is what they're called. And they'll get on the phone with you and we can build a journey together. I would love to do that. And we can see the needle move in in, in your manager's skill set. Now, can I also plug some personal products and services? I was hoping you would say yes. Of course. Okay. And I'm oh, gonna yes. ask I'm gonna ask you later how people can find you. So okay, good, that, perfect. So that's coming. Yep, cool. If you like podcasts, and you probably do if you're listening to this one, check out the If You Ask Betty podcast. It's If You Ask Betty, all one word, on any podcatcher that you could probably use. And it's it's about all types of development topics for all types of learning professionals. And Eric has been on there. So check that out. And right, hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. We do have some really cool ones out there. There's a couple of series like how Loki is every learner and Kanto and LD. Definitely want to check those out. And also, If You Ask Betty offers consulting services on non traditional learning modalities like XR, which is AR and VR, and podcasting. Thank you for allowing me to have that commercial. Of course. That's, that's a big part of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I'd like to ask some personal questions if I might. Sure. I might. Okay. I'm an open book. All right. If you could interview anyone, if you were in this seat, yeah. Who would it be and why? Or who have you not interviewed yet that you want to? Uh, top of my list is Jeff Goins, 
He is an author. He's wrote several books, all of which I have read. And one that he wrote called The Art of Work changed my life, changed my perspective on the work that I do every day. And I would love to pick his brain more about it. And I'll just give you a little little preview. One of the most impactful things I learned in The Art of Work is that your occupation and your calling are not always the same thing. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I know that seems that might seem kind of simple, but he, you know, he it really kind of hit home to me at a time in my life when I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, and it really helped me kind of wrap my head around what is it that I need to do. Wonderful. Yeah. What's the name of the book again? The Art of Work. The Art of Work. Okay. I mm-hmm. will. I will download that on my Kindle. You'll love it, and I and let's talk about it when you do. I would okay. love to chat about it. Yep. Okay. Cool. I got a couple of books in front of it, but yeah. Okay, cool. Great. Favorite vacation spot and why? Anywhere I've never been that has great weather and sun. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I'm, I live in Detroit, the Detroit area. And right now when we're recording, this is like day 567 with no sun. Not really 567, but it feels like that. There's no sun. So the sun has forsaken us here. So I miss the sun. But I love to go in and, and you know, just Figure, find new places and and check them out. Like this year, I got to go to Seattle. I got to meet you in person there. And yep, yep. that was really cool just to kind of walk around and see cool things and just anywhere I've never been. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the sun. I'm looking out my window right now and it's just gray and blah. Yeah, no, we've been forsaken. <laughs> it's, it's coming. We'll get some mm. sun in July. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Where would you most like to travel aside from places that are beautiful and sunny. Any any particular place? You know, I have never done an all-inclusive. So that's kind of the highest on my list right now. So, you know, Mexico, Hawaii, like anywhere that I can get a, an all-inclusive, something some place, some sort of beach vacation. I've never actually been on a beach vacation. Of course, I'm a redhead and very fair. So, this may turn out to be a very painful endeavor because I have two colors. I don't know if you know this. I have like porcelain white and cooked lobster. Those are my two <laughs> Those are my two colors. So I may I may regret this, but it is high on my list to go on some sort of all-inclusive beach vacation. I think it'd be great. Okay. Just to torture you, yeah. my wife and two daughters are yeah. headed to an all-inclusive in Mexico tomorrow. Where at? Where are they going? Puerto Vallarta. Oh. Yeah. I have another friend who was just in Puerto Vallarta. Actually, two friends that were in Puerto Vallarta last week. I love the idea of Playa del Carmen, which is on the other side of Mexico, mm-hmm. which is like sort of can- south of Cancun. Mm-hmm. I think South of Cancun. But yeah, I I am a little, I'm envious. Did, does, do they have another spot? Because I could, I mean, I could make a flight pretty quick. So. I, I don't think so. No, I, I gave up my spot this year to stay home and work. But after after noticing my own feelings about mm-hmm. how I'm staying home and they're going, you know, in the middle of the gray winter yes. cr- crap that is Seattle this time of year, I'm thinking I'm making it a priority to, I think you should. to go south. I will say this. I do not have any interest in a cruise. I know cruises are all Oh, me neither. But cruises, you are locked on a boat with a hell of a lot of people. Oh, I hope that's okay. Heck of a lot of people. It's okay. It's all right. Heck of a lot of people that you don't know that, and there's been so many times that in the news there's this cruise and these people are stranded there and everybody is sick. And I'm like, pass. I'm going to pass on the cruise. See, this is why I like you. Mm-hmm. We're copacetic in many ways. So many ways. I'm not I, doing I have no. no interest in cruises. Nope. Not even Disney. I don't care if Mickey's there. So are 600 other people that I don't know breathing the same air as me. Ew. No, thanks. I'm cool. Eek. No, thanks. 
Okay, last question. <laughs> what brings you the most joy in your life? Well, I don't think this will be any surprise to you, but I love great conversations with interesting people. I mean, that just lights my fire and keeps me going. And that includes friends, family, people I people I've never met before, you know. I love to have a good conversation. I think it's it's a great high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why this is so much fun. Yeah. Um, I just I love this. Yeah. Great. Well, Betty, thank you so much. This was a wonderful experience. How can people find you? How can people find me? Well, I'm on LinkedIn mostly, Betty Danowitz. You can also find me at If You Ask Betty on any social. And then you can also find me at if you ask Check out my website. And just because I love a good theme, if you really want to email me, I'm if you ask Betty at gmail.com. I mean, if you type in if you ask Betty, you're going to find me. So, okay, perfect. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. Again, please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We will see you at the next one. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. 